one of the things that's probably um, most detrimental about the things I do for this channel is I usually like to wait a few days after something comes out, you know, premieres in a way, before I start um, thinking about making an entry for it. So I give people the opportunity to uh, go and watch it and, you know, get a feeling for it. And then if they're looking for a review or a synopsis of something, then I'll usually give it out by that time. Because what I don't want is I don't want to usually spoil anything for anybody, or at least that's not my intention. Sometimes I do. If you're a frequent listener, you know that sometimes I do. But in this case, I have given it a couple of days, um, mainly because there is a lot going on with this film. And... What I will have to say is that it's very much personal taste, but for me, as a fan of this style, especially this production studio, A24 has done some phenomenal films uh, over the last couple of years. I don't know how long they've been around, but they have really been making top-notch films when it comes to things that are very similar to this but not all of them follow like a particular story or they're not, they don't follow a particular format of anything, but they do have, you know, a distinctive filmography to it that you watch it and you go, Oh, this has to be an a 24 production. So the green Knight is definitely an a 24 film. Um, being that said, it falls in line with films of the same nature as, the Witch, uh, Locke with um, Tom Hardy, Hereditary, uh, It Comes at Night. A lot of these really dark and dreary films with very dark backgrounds and settings. But they also, you know, A24 is also known for films like Spring Breakers. You know what I mean? So it's not all on a Midsommar level. They're not all... Uh, the Witch. You know what I mean? They they do have some random fun ones in there. And I'm not going to talk here or there about a film like Swiss Army Man, which is also an A24 film. Uh, but what we really want to talk about right now is The Green Knight. So, what people may not know going into this is that it is a film closely related to the lore of King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table. The thing is, is that when you go into this, it's based on one... This story itself is based on one particular poem. Now, one of the things about the lore of King Arthur is... And I'm I'm a huge fan of that lore. And I went into this not even realizing that until the first little bit of uh, narration comes in at the very beginning. So, when it comes to the King Arthur lore, there isn't really anything set in stone. Like... The King Arthur lore is nothing like, say, stories of Robin Hood, or even things as complex or deep-diving as Greek mythology. All of those things have a very steady basis supporting them. They all have a steady ground of where the lore begins, what happens during it, where it comes from. King Arthur is just kind of a, a modgepodge of various tellings that are all different. Because they were told during times when people didn't write these things down. And then when they started writing them down, there were too many stories going around. There were too many 
poems or short folk tales that were telling these various stories of Arthur and his knights that there really isn't even a set list of what his who his knights were. There are obvious names that continue throughout various stories and poetry and whatnot, but it's, it always changes. Even though there's usually meant to be 12 or 13 knights, those 12 or 13 names constantly change. For example, there are some stories that view uh, the character of Gawain, who is the main character of this movie. This movie depicts him as being his nephew, whereas in other stories, they're not related whatsoever. And that even holds true to the idea that this tale, this movie is based on one particular poem called Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. And it's been done two times already. Like, this isn't a reboot. It's just a reimagining of the same poem. And it was originally done in 1984, I think. And funny enough, Sean Connery plays the Green Knight. And I started watching it last night, and I couldn't get through it. I got halfway through it, and we had to stop because something came up. But I plan on finishing it tonight. And it is not the same film in any shape or form. Whoever the guy that plays Gawain is looks like he's trying to be a double for uh, for He-Man in the Masters of the Universe. Like, he doesn't look like what you would expect. But again, it's the 80s and it's a movie about knights. And movies about knights in the 70s and 80s weren't of top-notch value in today's terms. As of those days' terms, maybe. You know, they also had the film Excalibur come out which um, I believe is in the 80s as well, and that's another film of King Arthur, but also depicting a completely different story of King Arthur. And it's very separated from the King Arthur movie we got back in 2004 with Clive Owen and Keira Knightley and all these big-name actors. And also looking at the, the really ridiculous film we got just a couple of years ago with the dude from... Sons of Anarchy, I can't remember his name, but even that King Arthur film is vastly different. And I don't know what exactly that is rooted in when it comes to a King Arthur story. It might be an over-fictionalized concept because like, it looks more like something that would have been in the King Arthur and the Knights of Justice animated show from the 90s, which was one of my favorite shows and one of the reasons why I'm a huge King Arthur fan. So, there's a little minor backstory. So, this isn't an original idea. It's just an interpretation of this idea done with the kind of um, cinematography expected not only out of this production company, but also out of, out of the director, David Lowry. David Lowry probably isn't known by many. He's only been doing films for about a decade, and he doesn't have many under his belt that are noticeable uh, i think he like did like pete's dragon for disney and he's also on board to do the um a, a peter, another peter pan film uh that's coming out in a couple of years um but this was a big hit for him when it comes to directing films for a24 and just his vision for this film and what he was expecting to come out of this film um two people who are fans of this style it's very much up there with the level that we're expecting. Uh, and I know that a lot of people aren't fans of the style of film that this is. The cinematography is not for everybody. I know that not everybody likes Hereditary. I know that not everybody likes The Witch. But I know there's also a lot of people that love The Witch, that loved Midsommar, that love this dreary feeling that comes from these films. And that's what you have to go into this film expecting. you got to expect it to be this dreary adventure of a 
of a person who wants to be a knight and is trying to set himself up with a story that will hold him over to have some kind of valor, I guess you can say. Which, again, we're talking about Gawain. And in most King Arthur lore, Gawain is portrayed in many different fashions, just as Lancelot is portrayed, and just as um, Galahad is portrayed. All of these knights that we know of all have different portrayals and different stories, and there's no set linear concept. So in this film, the character of Gawain is the nephew of King Arthur. So Gawain is after many years of King Arthur's time of being king and of having his knights. And he's old and all of his knights are old and Gawain isn't a knight yet. And of, and the premise is that the Green Knight comes on uh, Christmas Day or the day of Yule and the, the film calls it the Christmas game because it happens on Christmas and they're celebrating Christmas. Although that's also kind of weird, and I don't know if that's um, a deciding factor that they oversaw. But essentially, from what I know, I believe the only one that was Christian was Arthur in most tellings. But most of his knights were pagan. And that's why the 2004 film does a great explanation of a little bit of that when it comes to the, ro the, the roles that were played by Rome and Britain during that time frame of the centuries where these tales kind of come to light and who King, who King Arthur really played and whatnot. But I digress. I'm not going to go that deep into it or the meaning or a lot of that lore because not even I know that much. And I'm a huge King Arthur fan, but there's so much to dig into that, he, like again, this, this particular poem, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, has been done three separate times. Once in the 80s, I think once before that in the 60s, and now this one. And I guarantee you all three of them are different. I've never seen the the first one from the 60s, but I have started watching the one from the 80s, and it's vastly different than this one. But the, the basic premise is still the same. Sir Gawain is at the table when the Green Knight shows up and challenges the King's men to the Christmas game. And Gawain is the only one that steps forth and says, I will, I will participate in thy game. And the game is, we're going to exchange blows. A cut for a cut. Whatever cut you give me, one year from today, we will meet again. And I will return that cut to you. So, for some reason, Gawain says, alright, I'm going to chop your head off. So he chops his head off. Now... Again, watching two separate films about the same poem back-to-back, -back, it's vastly different from the 80s version than it is from this version. In the 80s version with Sean Connery, he says, yes, you have to chop my head off. And then right here on the spot, I'm going to chop your head off in return. And then he sees that Gawain is a young knight in comparison to all the older knights that are there, and the aging King Arthur, and he's like, no, I cannot allow this to happen to you until you have... Um, solve the riddle. You have one year to solve the riddle, and we will meet again when you are an older and wiser knight. And so he leaves, and then the the film is basically Gawain going through the year prior to meeting the Green Knight, and him trying to figure out how to solve the riddle. So now there's no riddle in this film. The premise is that he just has to wait, and then you will travel six days to the north to meet me again. 
Now, during those travels, because obviously there's a huge time jump, the, the film doesn't go through the year. It goes from Christmas Day to when he starts traveling to get to the Green Temple to meet the Green Knight. And during those travels, he comes across many obstacles. Now, I think all of these obstacles, in some way, shape, or form, are meant to be tests for him. Because there's a certain level of um, like knightlyhood that a soldier needs to reach to clarify himself as being a knight. Now, I've seen a lot of videos and I've read a lot of articles that explain that most of the tasks or obstacles that Gawain faces, they each are meant to represent a different one of these points that a knight is meant to... a different characteristic that a knight is meant to hold to, to be considered a knight of valor and to really be uh, a, a well-rounded knight. So each of these tasks are meant to portray that. Now, in most poem iterations of Gawain and the Green Knight... Gawain passes all these tests, but the movie is meant to represent that Gawain fails all of these tests. And you see that by the time where he's, like, one of the knightlyhoods is generosity. So when he meets the guy in the battlefield and he's like, okay, I'll direct you in the right path. May you give me something for my information. And then he tosses him, like, a shilling, and then him and two other people kind of rob him. And he basically said it wasn't enough. And he shows him, like, this wasn't enough. But... Because of that, it leads him down a pathway. Now he has to get back the Green Knight's axe. And then he finds this cabin that he tries to stay in for the night. And he meets a spirit. And the spirit's like, find my head. And after he finds the spirit's head, the axe is returned to him. So it's very much, there's, there's a mysticism in the film that you are not really exposed to even after seeing the Green Knight's head get chopped off and him just pick it up. Which, by the way, is exactly what happens in the 80s film, too. So that's almost spot on. Um, so there's a certain mysticism in the environment that isn't 100% explained, but you just know it's there as it progresses further. When it comes with the axe just appearing and the idea of the spirit um, that asks for uh, him to retrieve her head and all of these things that are meant to show him, like, create this environment that he's meant to grow as a knight and as a soldier and as an individual and and portray these characteristics he's failing almost all of them now what's even funnier and this is a little uh, easter egg for anybody who has watched it and is probably a fan or has watched the previous uh, author iterations or anything joel egerton is also in this film for those who don't know who Joel Egerton is, in the film, he plays the lord of the mansion that Gawain eventually reaches. And Joel Egerton has been in films ranging from um, The Great Gatsby. He was the bad husband in The Great Gatsby. He was in um, uh, one of the Star Wars films, I believe. He was also in Bright. I believe he played the troll uh, in Bright alongside um, Will Smith. Uh, obviously, won't be able to recognize him there. But he's done a lot of films, and he is a very, very good actor. And what's funny is his role in this film is very... It, it means something, but it's kind of minor when it comes to what the story is based on. He's also been in the other King Arthur film from 2004. He's played Gawain 
So it's just funny that Joel Egerton is in a movie about Gawain, but he's also played Gawain in another film. So I just thought that was a a cool little piece of like movie like trivia or something. Like Joel Egerton has been in two King Arthur films, one as Gawain and one helping Gawain. I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know if that was what he was meant to meant for or going for, but it's just funny that that worked out that way. Now, again, I do understand the film is not meant for everybody, but I also need to respectfully disagree with a lot of people who say it's a snooze fest. It's boring. It's just not for you. And that's the thing is that most films are made with particular audiences involved and it's not meant for everybody. And not every single film has to have an ending that you agree with, nor does it have to bring forth a a sense of certain cinematography that you agree with. This is, I'm not saying that there's any sort of sophistication to this film that most people don't get. What I'm saying is that there's a, there's a, there's a film that is giving you a certain environment that is going to be very comfortable with most people. Because most people who enjoy this film are the same people that loved Hereditary. They're the same people who love The Witch. And anybody who didn't like The Witch or didn't like Midsommar or didn't like um, Hereditary, you're not going to like this film. And it could also be the case where you loved Hereditary, but you don't like The Green Knight. And I'm going to have to say, I agree with all of you. I can see the unappeal of a film like this. But... I have to also say that I am a person who loves all of these films because I love what each one brings to the table. I love the atmosphere they set up. I love the cinematography, the the mood that is set by the soundtrack choices and the way that the cameras pan in certain directions that the, 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 the environment that's set up when a film like this is being seen for the first time. You know, I've only seen it once and I, I haven't gotten a chance to watch it again. And hopefully I do because I fully enjoyed it. And I look forward to seeing certain things that maybe I missed the first time around, but I do understand why no, if you didn't like it or if you fell asleep during it, or if you're never going to watch it again, trust me, I understand you. But it's not a film that's for you. And that's okay too. Not every film is meant to appease everybody. Not every film is going to get two thumbs up, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's just, it's not the case. It's not how it works out. I do hope that this doesn't bomb because there's so many people who are talking against it because they just they don't understand or they don't get it or they don't appreciate the kind of filmography that was put into this i hope it gets the recognition that it deserves from the community of fans who not only like the stories of king arthur but also like the the filmography and the cinematography that this film is portraying And I hope David Lowry does more like this. Again, I've never heard this director. Apparently, he's very well-renowned and acclaimed for being a director. But I don't know much more about him besides this film. He's never been brought to my attention before. And now he has my attention. And now, hopefully, he lives up to it. And he gives us something else. I don't know what the next film... Like I said, I think the next thing he has on on his docket is some Peter Pan film for Disney. So I don't know what to expect from that. But if he does make, if he, if he keeps making films like this, I'll be okay with that because I'm a fan of this style. I am. 